1: Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And it is Super Bowl week, which means lots of prop betting stories. Uh, and here's one that jumped out at me, tweeted by your old buddy Darren Rovell, a bettor at Points Bet Sportsbook in Illinois. At $10,000 that the opening kickoff will not be returned for a touchdown at minus 5000 odds, meaning the better stands to win 200 bucks if indeed the opening kickoff isn't returned for a touchdown. Uh, Presumably $10,000 to this better is like $100 or so to us. Uh, So john putting it in those terms, would you ever even consider risking $100 to win $2 on this.
0: Well, you know, it's a little bit eerie that you came up with this specific question as subscribers will find out much later in this podcast. So you got to listen on mm. the way through to find out why. Okay. Um, you know, for, for some reason, I don't hate this one nearly as much as last week's coin toss winner discussion. I, I mean, I'm picturing it, right? You, you're standing up to watch the kickoff. You got to be for this for 100 or 10,000, whatever it is. Uh, it leaves the kicker's foot, and it's very likely the kick sails out of the end zone and you can cash, right? So that's right. it. But if not, I suppose it's a brief, I mean, very, very brief adrenaline rush before the return is tackled. And so you're in the game for that moment, as they say, I suppose. Um, Oh, and spoiler alert, in our staff prop bets coming up on Friday on SportsHandle.com, I made my own very early play choice for a specific reason. That's two teases and one intro. Wow. Which is uh, tying tying a a gamble on record, I think. (laughs) But finally getting to your point, would I consider risking $100 to win $2 on this? Uh, No. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you took the the, the long answer there because there was some interesting stuff and some good teases. If you just said no, it uh, wouldn't have made for a very good discussion. Um, but, uh, you know, I have to say, uh, I think PointsBet is giving up EV here. I, I think the odds are on the better side uh, that this will happen considerably less than once every 50 times, uh, you know, kickoff, kickoff return touchdowns are rare since they changed the kickoff rules in 2010. Uh, so I looked it up this past regular season, there were seven kickoff return touchdowns in 256 games. I couldn't find how many were opening kickoffs, uh, without going through game by game, play by play logs. And I wasn't about to put that level of effort in just for the sake of some podcast banter. Uh, but you know, the law (laughs) of averages says, No more than one or two of those seven were opening kicks, maybe zero. Uh, But, you know, for argument's sake, let's say it's two. That means this happens once every 128 games. Laying 50 to one is good value, but... I still don't think I'd do it because the reward isn't worth the risk. There's, there's just no benefit to me winning $2. Whereas emotionally I will feel it if I happen to lose a hundred dollars. So, so getting back to your point about sort of, you know, standing up and, and, and taking this one in, I think in order to to make this bet, you have to a have a ton of money uh, and, and B be something of a sweat junkie where, where you get okay. some, some pleasure and positive rush out of the anxiety of sweating, the potential disaster of the opening kick. And that ain't me. I'm, I'm in it for the low risk fun sweats, not the masochistic sigh of relief when it's over sweats.
0: Yeah. I'll give points for that credit though, because that, as you said, that EV is almost, almost <laughs> not quite tempting. So they did a nice job with that.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's not for guys like us, but, uh, Hey, if if you have the money and you want to risk a lot to win a little, uh, it's kind of fun that they post that. Good luck, fellas. Yes. (laughs) All right. Thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 128 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 127 episodes, including last week's episode, which allowed me to check Cousin Sal Calls Me an Idiot off my bucket list, uh, they're all available (laughs) on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Please subscribe, rate, and review.
0: And Eric, coming up a little later on the show, we're going to be joined by professional sports better Rufus Peabody. Uh, he's going to share his insights on Super Bowl betting, including what sort of props he likes to bet and when he likes to bet them. Uh, but first, it's been a, well, not quite as busy as usual week in the world of gambling, so let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Our
1: first news story this week is for all the Android phone people out there, which, according to my research, is a little over 38% of Americans. Uh, Late last week, Google announced it would be ending its ban on gambling apps in the U.S. and in several other countries as well, effective March 1st. So people in states with legal, real money, online gaming... Will now be able to download their sports betting apps or online casino or poker apps directly from the Google Play Store instead of having to sideload the app, which is apparently riskier, according to people who understand all this tech stuff better than I do. Uh, Now, Android users will have the same easy access to download betting apps as iPhone users do for what it's worth. DraftKings stock rose 3.5% off this news. Uh, The scores went up about 7%. And Penn Nationals went up about 9.5% because apparently stoolies and Android phone users uh, are are circles with a lot of overlap. Uh, Anyway, clearly this is big news for all the operators, making it easier for players to access their apps and open accounts and start betting. Any opinion on just how big a deal this is, John, Uh, or, or is the bigger story here what it symbolizes in terms of the mainstream stigma about online gambling fading away?
0: Yeah, I'm a little confused because I've assumed that people of Android phones are exactly the same subset of people who know how to sideload an app. And I confess <laughs> I've never heard that term before. And to download or upload or sideload any security precautions necessary after that. I think it's like a Venn diagram and everything. They all, right. all the circles come together. But, uh, but overall, yeah, I think it is some sort of progress. Uh, New Jersey and, yes, Delaware legalized online casino gaming in 2013. But I remember many large banking institutions were confused by this somehow For a while I expected that someone in our federal government would explain this to big bank but I was naive they kind of didn't um the wheels of justice grind slowly but so do the wheels of big tech understanding <laughs> and big bank understanding of what gambling is legal in this country it just doesn't seem that complicated to me here are the states you know and then you know oh by the way update Michigan and Virginia you know add them to the list now they're right. good to go so a customer there can do it it's just not that complicated right
1: yeah um uh, yeah, th- this seems to me to be a case of a, a an extremely important news item, one, one that has significant ramifications, uh, but one about which I have little to say in terms of <laughs> analysis. Like, yeah, you know, going from 62% of smartphone users having easy access to the apps to 100% of smartphone users, that's significant. Uh, the, uh, the serious sports bettors and online casino and poker players probably didn't hesitate to sideload apps, whatever sideloading involves. Uh, But, you know, I I guess for the more casual gambler, I could see something like that as a big barrier to entry. You know, if I I, I can't find it in the Google Play Store, so I'm not going to bother. I, I assume there was a fair amount of that, so this does certainly... Open up the audience uh, for for all of these uh, uh, online gaming apps.
0: Yeah, I, I think the business types call that friction, right? So you're right. You're kind yes. of vaguely into it, and you're gonna try it. And God knows, I give up pretty easily on these things, so I can relate to it. So this is gonna be a third administration now, by the way, that has an opportunity to do what I still think is kind of simple: uh, put out a memo uh, to all major banking institutions and minor ones, uh, and saying, "Here's the deal. This is what's legal. Uh, these are the states." It's Legal in, and uh, you can operate comfortably there. You're not going to get in any legal jeopardy by permitting uh, mobile sports betting uh, from customers in these states. So we're over two, but maybe uh, you know, hope springs <laughs> eternal.
1: There you go. Um, and just to, to add to this, to just further spell out the the, the changes that will be taking place March 1st, uh, Google will allow real money gambling apps in the Play Store, but also. DFS apps. I didn't realize those weren't uh, easily available in the Play Store and ads related to real money gambling as well. So, uh, you know, this is this is certainly big news, especially with the DFS factor. I can see why DraftKings stock went up, uh, although maybe that was a bunch of Robinhood investors driving it up. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing I, I'm just thinking of now is uh, this new president is from Delaware, and I think mm. it's uh, objectively fair to say that Delaware is friendly with banks. So, uh <laughs> Maybe that'll come in handy here. All
1: right, we'll we'll see. Something to watch there. If this administration, I, I like that idea that you're putting out there. Of uh, yeah, just put out a statement, make it clear, let everybody know this stuff is legal in these in these places. Uh, don't don't create extra friction, uh, which is good good word that I had a uh, I hadn't hadn't thought of in a little while. But you're absolutely right. That's what it is. Uh, so a little bit of friction. Yes. No follow-up questions on that one. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, speaking of DraftKings-related things and uh, regulated online gambling going more mainstream in America, uh, it doesn't get much more mainstream than commercials during the Super Bowl. Our second news story this week is that on Sunday, DraftKings will become the first online sports book to run a Super Bowl ad. Uh, Actually, two Super Bowl ads, each 15 seconds in length, airing during the second and third quarter's promoting DraftKings free-to-play fourth quarter pool. Uh, DK has run countless pools like this, uh, although most don't pay a million dollars for first place as this one does. But the way it works is they have 10 questions about the fourth quarter of the game. They're basically multiple choice props questions and you want to get as many right as you can. And because there's no entry fee, these are legal in every state. And the goal for DraftKings is to get people to download their app and open an account, regardless of whether they fund that account immediately. Uh so I'll, I'll kind of repeat my question from news item number 1, John. Uh how big a deal is this? Uh, could this be a, a game changer moment for DraftKings and for legal sports betting airing two ads during the Super Bowl?
0: Uh, well, I am I have to start from the reasonable concept of, geez, can any company really afford to pay out millions of dollars for two brief Super Bowl ads and then the prizes that go along with it? Right. And of course, the answer is if you're DraftKings is yes. So, <laughs> yes. so that's, that's that hurdle is cleared. Um, next, they get countless new accounts downloaded by hopeful viewers in states that don't have legal sports betting yet. And these aren't just any viewers, right? These are people who dare to dream they can win big money against all logic, which is attractive. Um, they probably like sports. That's that's fair to say. And they seem particularly prone to wanting to bet on sports and even better, maybe play online casino games once their lawmakers finally allow them to do so. Uh, you know, we talked about earlier about positive or negative EV or expected value. Mm-hmm. My bet is DK executives feel as if they've already won the so-called gamble.
1: Yeah. And I, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, I, I think it's positive EV for the whole industry in that, uh, airing an ad during the Super Bowl really normalizes this whole thing. You know, it, the, our, our first news item, uh, that also is normalizing on a smaller scale. You can find the app in the in the Google Play Store. Okay, that makes it normal and acceptable. Um, but, you know, this is a whole nother level. There's an ad running during the Super Bowl. It adds an air of legitimacy and, and normalcy. Now, you and I, John, living in legal sports betting states, we're already inundated with these ads, uh, especially during live sports. It's usually like back-to-back. I'll see a BetMGM ad followed by a Bet365 ad followed by a DraftKings ad, whatever. But uh, if you're in... California, Florida, Arizona, Missouri, wherever, and you're watching the Super Bowl, this is maybe your first exposure to a legal sports betting sites ad. Uh, And I can just imagine you're watching the game, you see the ad, oh, it's free to enter, a chance to win a million bucks. Uh, I know I got $3 site credit in my DraftKings account just for entering the pool. Uh, DraftKings is is gonna get a lot of downloads and entries in this pool, which probably means like 10,000 people are going to go 10 for 10 and, and chop that million bucks into hundred dollar pieces, but, uh, but, but still.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, probably the biggest thing. One million dollars is a great sounding uh, (laughs) situation, but uh, unless you, you go with, uh, you know, exact, you know, net yards, you know, of whatever, you know, sort of categories that are, that are very uh, discreetly defined. And then Mm -hmm. uh, then you're going to have separation, but I think they're going to keep this simple. So I agree with you. Yeah, did, did
1: you? So when you say uh, you think you're going to keep this simple, does that mean you you haven't looked at the pool questions yet? You haven't entered uh, the pool. I have not. Okay, I have so not. so I did, and it, um, you know there's some interesting questions like. Uh, some are just binary yes or no answers where you're not going to uh, separate the, the, the group of entrants all that much. Like, will the two minute warning happen at the two minute mark? Interesting question, but it's either yes or no. Um, and then there are some with like some, some ranges, like uh, how much time will be on the clock when the first kneel down will be attempted. And of course, you can say there will be no kneel downs, but then it also gives you a bunch of ranges of, of you know. 45 seconds to 59 seconds or stuff like that. Um, the funny thing is I filled it out a few days ago and I have no recollection of what any of my answers were. <laughs> a pretty good sign that I was just throwing stuff at the wall, guessing and not, not exactly putting in heavy thought and intense analytics.
0: Yeah, I have a feeling you're going to have a, a more interesting wager or two on the game, and there's no need to get <laughs> distracted by, you know, do I have a chance to win, uh, you know, to, sh- to get a uh, chopped into uh, ten thousand pieces on on a on a hundred dollars and I get eighteen cents. So yeah, I think focus on your uh, your main bets. You'll be right. better off.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, just as long as we're talking Super Bowl ads, uh, I haven't uh, prepared you that I'm going to ask you this, but just curious, do you have an, an all-time favorite Super Bowl ad?
0: I, I cannot believe that people get so excited about (laughs) commercials. I mean, if, if, if an advertiser wants me to, well, first of all, watch the commercial, but secondly, Mm. especially talk about it on my podcast, I'm getting compensated for it. Okay. That's just how it is.
1: (laughs) All right. So you're not, you're not going to plug any, that's, that's fair. Uh, and, And honestly, they all, they mostly all blur together for me at this point. I, I will single out. I, I used to love the Bud Bowl series in the 80s when they would like tell a story over the course of the game. I, w- I was the right age for that at the time to be really into the Bud Bowl. But Not
0: the right age to drink the product, but the right no. age to like the commercials. Too.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, to, to your point, uh, t- two, two notes uh, about this. Uh, don't be that annoying person at your Super Bowl party who says, I don't care about the game. I'm here for the commercials. It's not an original thought. People have been saying that for about 40 years. Don't be that person. Uh, and, And then second note, don't go to a Super Bowl party this year. Uh, you know you'll you'll yeah, avoid getting no, right. Really, you'll really. you'll avoid getting COVID, uh, and you'll also avoid that annoying person who says they're just there to watch the commercials. So it's really a weird Yeah, game. I, I
0: am vaguely wondering like what does that person do? Because like you say, they go to the party so that they can talk about the commercials and talk uh-huh. about how they only want to talk about the commercials. But if they're <laughs> not there, are they going to do a Zoom so they can talk about talking about the commercials with other people? Is right. anyone going to invite them to the Zoom? So I wonder if there's enough of those people to Uh, impact the ratings a little bit yeah i I can't do that
1: (laughs) i (laughs) guess i guess one thing that i am looking forward to on that front this year as i'll just be watching with with my wife and two kids is there won't be that need for for somebody to shush when the commercials start you know somebody's shushing the rest of the room wait i want to hear the commercials or whatever it's only four of us it should be quiet we can hear the commercials if we want to hear the commercials
0: yeah, but you don't want to hear the commercials. I mean, yeah, they're, they're commercials. I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> sometimes, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're entertaining. But to be clear, I am more, more interested in the game and my bets on the game than any of the commercials.
0: Well, that's a relief.
1: All right. Uh, our final story here this week. Uh, last week, we covered the launch of online sports betting in Michigan. And we said it was our understanding that online casino and online poker were weeks, maybe even months away It turns out online poker was just hours away on Friday morning poker stars with almost no warning went live in the Wolverine state, beating its assorted potential competitors to the table. In fact, no other poker sites have been approved by the state gaming control board yet, although several are expected to apply. There is no interstate pooling yet. It's legal but not active. So for now, PokerStars Michigan players can only compete against other PokerStars Michigan players. Still, the opening weekend appeared to be a success with traffic similar to what was seen in Pennsylvania during the early days of PokerStars launch there. John, how much do you think it matters that PokerStars seems it will have a a head start of at least a couple of months on its competitors in Michigan? And any other thoughts on this launch that came with no warning
0: whatsoever? Oh my first thought is absolutely finally finally I mean I always always I always bet the later on when a gambling law will be passed <laughs> or when the website will launch or whatever right. always later uh, often a years later here's the one earlier that makes it all worthwhile so I'm pleased about that <laughs> Okay yeah, and uh, Michigan's like New Jersey is a decent sized state for poker players in terms of volume of play it's not ideal you know variety of options and how often games are available but decent pennsylvania is going to be a little bit better in isolation which they seem potentially willing to do but hopefully not so put those three together and my understanding is that those issues would improve almost exponentially i mean pretty it doesn't solve everything but it's close enough is what i've often been told now for poker stars i i would love to ask the author of the iconic poker book the moneymaker effect wait that's you so <laughs> yes so okay. i will I'll ask you a question you know all my life and well before that notre dame was an iconic college football program right and i always thought given how american culture changes so rapidly nowadays can a catholic school in northern indiana really maintain its mistake after even if it has a few years of irrelevance uh, You know, if you're a 16 year old football star and the fighting irish don't get me started that stupid nickname. Uh, You know, they aren't in the NCAA playoff for six or seven years. Would you really want to play there? I don't don't know. So uh, that gets us back to poker stars. You know, we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of Black Friday, by the way. So uh, uh, put that on your calendar. And that to a large extent, wiped out poker stars at the time. Now, poker players are not 16 years old, like my football example. Uh, if they are, then we have a problem. <laughs> but uh, they do skew, skew younger, I think. So, does the poker stars brand is my question? Does that retain its mystique on you know college campuses and just beyond that? Are they the big thing, or did they get knocked down for so long that they're not quite the exciting brand they once were?
1: Interesting question. I I guess we we shall see would be would be one way of avoiding answering it. But <laughs> but no, I mean I do think that the brand name still has value, maybe not for those people who are like twenty one now and were yeah. were only eleven the last time Poker Stars was around. But uh, you know, when Black Friday happened. The major brands in the US at the time were, were Poker Stars and Full Tilt. They were pretty far ahead of, of anybody else. Uh, party Poker had long since left the scene. Um, and Full Tilt ended up going down in disgrace, and Poker Stars had to uh, basically buy them out, uh, take over, and repay the payers that Full Tilt owed money to. Uh, and so Poker Stars was viewed as sort of a savior of the industry at the time. Now, a lot of time has passed since then. Uh, but I, I do think. Poker Stars has a mostly good reputation, is a brand name that anyone who's into poker will remember. But the the other brand name that they'll be competing with is WSOP.com, which is, uh, you know, probably even though they're not as well known for online poker, you can't beat WSOP as as just a poker brand. So, yeah, I I think that the name Poker Stars is worth something, if not nearly what it would have been had all these states gone legal one year after black friday instead instead of two to six to ten years after black friday
0: yeah so i guess you're saying there's all, all these kind of reboots from you know back in the day i, I guess a full tilt re- reboot is not in the cards probably i
1: i don't think so i have not heard anything about anyone <laughs> using that name and uh so yeah i don't think so um but yeah i mean it's, it's kind of interesting just in terms of You know how much poker stars head start matters. Um, I I don't think it matters that much when you're talking about two or three or four sites, uh, if that's what they're ultimately are. You know, poker players will try more than one when another site or two comes to Pennsylvania. I'll start an account on, on those. If, say, you're the 10th poker site launching in the state, then you're probably screwed. Uh, I I think it's important to be one of the first three or four to build up a player base and then, of course, have that interstate liquidity that you were talking about. But ultimately, it feels to me like online poker in the U.S. is headed toward existing successfully on like three sites, you know, PokerStars, WSOP.com maybe Party Poker, which is in New Jersey, but I don't think is anywhere else at the moment. Um, If those three sites get themselves into Pennsylvania, Michigan and New Jersey, and then into the other major states that follow, it's going to be that sort of thing where there are a few leaders not you know, I don't think it'll be like online sports betting where 15 different brands can thrive. Liquidity matters so much in online poker that I suspect it'll be like two or three that that rise to the top. And obviously poker stars uh, would be the the safest bet, I think, to to succeed on that front right now.
0: Yeah, uh, that makes sense, too. And I, I it sounds like from what you're saying, uh, three three competing brands would probably be enough for the consumer to feel like they, you know, they're going to, they're going to get either a good game in all three places or, uh, or there's, you know, there's a best one and they'll try that, but they'll, they'll get, they'll get a product that they, that they like. Yeah. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the gamble on interview.
1: We're just days away from the Super Bowl, the biggest day of the year for casual sports bettors. And John and I are curious what this day means to serious professional bettors. So we are welcoming to the podcast now for the first time since shortly after his controversial third place finish in the 2019 DraftKings Sports Betting National Championship, pro sports better Rufus Peabody. Rufus co-hosts the Bet the Process podcast. He's a co-founder of Massey Peabody Analytics. And like John Brennan, he roots for the Washington football team, at least when he hasn't bet against them. Uh, Rufus, Uh welcome back to Gamble On. Hey, thanks for having me again. Um, So so you and other pro bettors often say the NFL lines are some of the hardest to beat in the world because the bookmakers know what they're doing and rarely slip up. I'd imagine that's true of the spread and the total for the Super Bowl on Sunday, uh, that your numbers probably aren't too far off of the the three point spread or the 56 and a half point total. But what about the props with with so many props to choose from? Are there exploitable lines to be found? Yeah, well, first off, I I think with the NFL, I don't think it's
2: necessarily the book Makers know what they're doing more. I mean, I think they they have a pretty a decent idea, at least. But the, it's it's that the the market is large enough, and there's enough of a process of price discovery that you converge on essentially what is the correct price. Hmm. Whereas, and there's with so many market participants and such high limits, that's going to happen. Whereas, the the prop markets, um, you don't necessarily see that as much. Um, but the Super Bowl is actually unique in the fact that you have so many people that don't normally bet, like we're not even talking recreational betters. We're talking people that normally don't participate in betting at all that will be betting that um, that the amount of sort of square money relative to sharp money is so high that there isn't a guarantee that the line actually will be efficient. Hmm. And so you have, and and this, the same phenomenon occurs in the world cup and i think there are it's not like for example i'm going to if i have a 5% edge on the spread i'm not going to bet like millions of dollars on it you know if normally i'm only going to be betting 25,000 i'm still only going to bet 25,000 on a 5% edge i'm not going to bet any more on that but and i think i mean there there are certainly syndicates out there that are going to be betting millions but uh, those millions still won't i mean they're not going to pro- they're probably not going to bet like 10x what they normally bet unless um, so that's why you end up having this high percentage of, of square money. Hmm. And so, um, in terms of props, though, yes, um, I find much, I find a lot of edge on props typically. Less so this year than most, and it, it, that's not this year specifically. It's less so uh, in pr- the last few years relative to like ten years ago because markets do markets are tending toward efficiency, and you you have books that are. A lot of these Euro- European-style um, operators, these new new guys in in the U.S. are are offering props every weekend on every NFL game, and so they're they're better at price. They have better pricing models than ten years ago when you had books throwing up stuff and that they were that they're only doing once a year. Right. But Sorry, I, I do find I do find exploit. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm like trying to. There are exploitable lines to be found, and I think. They come in two forms. There's the sort of esoteric things that I think the books aren't really able to price properly, or that you might be able. They might not be pricing some tail, um, some tail event properly. And just with with as many offerings as they have, like there are going to be things like that, I think. And then there are the props where the public is going to like on well-known players, where the public is going to bet the overs, the yeses. And there will be opportunities to bet the unders on game day um, this weekend. And so that's, you know, going to be like the Mahomes passing yards, the Tyreek Hill receiving yards, the Kelsey receiving yards, you know, the Brady passing yards, things like that, where I expect they will just that those numbers will continue to move up and there will be some, um, there will be some value on the under at kickoff.
1: So not, not to turn you into a tout, but were there any, uh, any specific lines that, you know, when you saw the open, they jumped out at you and you're like, oh, I've got to bet this. And I'm telling everyone I know to bet this, that this is, uh, you know, the, were, were there props that jumped out at you one or two maybe that were, were like, wow, that's uh, th- those numbers are just great. Or is it mostly like you were just saying that you're, you're, you're waiting for some of them to, to get bet up a little too high so you can just come in at the end? No, there's a, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot to hit at openers generally. So for professionals
2: there, you're basically there hitting the openers. Or there's the bets you hit like right at the open. And then there's the bets you sort of wait on. And so this year, actually, for the first time in 12 years, I was not in Vegas for openers. I, uh, my fiance and I picked the wrong time to move. So <laughs> I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't reasonably, uh, uh, get out there, but I'm going to be out there. Uh, I'm leaving tomorrow actually.
1: Hmm. Uh, well
2: with a brief stop off in new jersey but but normally <laughs> so in a normal year when i am hitting the openers um there are there's a, there's a lot of stuff but they it doesn't last long you you basically fire you get one bet on it somebody else gets a bet behind you you're, you're competing with other people and it's not these lines aren't made in a vacuum either if william hill opens what uh let's say william hill has darrell williams at 33 and a half rushing yards and uh, or 40 and a half rushing yards, and the Westgate has them at 33 and a half rushing yards. You know, someone's betting the under 40 and a half and over the 33 and a half, probably. And right. so, these there's plenty of people out there that are just trying to scalp and find middles and arbs. And so, that's,
0: and it's,
2: there's a lot of competition out there to, to get these openers. Okay. Yeah,
0: Rufus, uh, you, you mentioned stopping in New Jersey, of course, where I am, because it's the epicenter of uh, gambling in the US and, and that goes into uh, opportunities, as you say, you know, one company uh, runs with uh, Manduel has a, a, a sign up and for you can bet up to $5 get 55 to one odds on either the Chiefs or the Buccaneers winning the game. Um, yeah, of course, right away, I'm thinking, well, I'll do, you could do that and then sign up for the other book that's giving you mm-hmm. like fifty free dollars uh, if you uh, if, if a touchdown is scored in the game and then you could bet you know about half that money on the other team. You know, I'm thinking of all these things you're talking about arbitrage, leveraging all that. And uh, there's sort of three levels here. I have a couple of friends who said, hey, you know about this betting stuff. You know, how do I sign up? What do you recommend? And then I have friends and family that like sports and I could, you know, let them know about this easy money. Uh, but do you feel like you're only going to help people out if they ask you, or do you want to let people know, Hey, I know you live in New Jersey, you got to get in on this, or do you just not want to recommend this to anybody? Cause you know, I probably have more than a 100- hundred former colleagues in the newspaper, industry, for instance, all of whom are under underemployed could really use some extra money. But if I recommend this to a hundred of them, God forbid, you know, three of them wind up in a worse economic state than they've been in. And the other ones are only a little bit better off. I'm going to be uncomfortable with that. So how do you feel as a professional sports better that everybody, friends and your family understand this? Uh, have you been reluctant to recommend deals or getting them in on the game? Or, or do you just figure, hey, they're adults, they can make their own decisions or?
2: That's a really good question. I haven't, I actually haven't really recommended any of these new books to people, just in general. I, I, don't, I don't talk that much about gambling stuff with people outside of the gambling world, believe mm. it or not. You know, I, I used to, and, and I, I think, um, and I've learned quickly that it's, it's a lot more interesting to me than it is to other people. <laughs> but, um, but actually I, I remember my brother driving through New Jersey Maybe this is a year ago or maybe longer, and I was like, "Hey, you should sign up for this FanDuel. They have like a five hundred dollar free bet." And so he does, and and I think I, I don't know. Somehow I he ended up like having to deposit the money, and because you have to deposit the money, and the free bet is is it's yeah. like a was it a match bet? I don't even remember. But basically, he lost five hundred dollars. Um, the bet. I think he had two bets. They both lost. Lost mm-hmm. five hundred dollars, and and blames me. <laughs> so you know i'm like it was plus ev but but you know if you're not a if you, you know i said deposit the full 500 dollars. it's more ev doing that than like getting 20 dollars, even and so uh, but at the same time if you're you have to have some risk tolerance and i think uh, and i do think that john you make an excellent point about there are going to be people that kind of get addicted to this that are um and and can't control themselves and have like you know have gambling problems gambling addictions, and so i, I And and the way some of this is marketed is, is concerning for sure that, I mean, people, people are drawn to the lottery type mentality and, and you're obviously, there's a reason that these gambling operators are, are offering these, these amazing promotions. It's because they know that they're going to get, once they get your foot in the door, like they have you and, and you're worth a lot of money to them. (laughs)
0: Yeah, look, at, uh, New Jersey has 19 legal sports books, and I guarantee you every one of them has a Super Bowl promotion to sign up, right? So a very disciplined person who has yet to sign up for any of these before, who knows at all what they're doing, um, they're, they're going to make hundreds and hundreds of dollars just on the fact that um, they're taking the right promotions. They're doing a little leveraging, one bet against the other. They don't have to know that much about the, the gambling. Now, of course, they can't immediately take the money out, which a lot of people don't understand, but they they can do basically 50-50 bets all the way through the 500 or the thousand and they might lose 10% of it, but you know, they'll get pretty much the the money they wanted, but you really have to know what you're doing. And, you know, if they sign up and make a mistake right there, they might be out more money than they dreamed of. So I am kind of in the point where the one friend of mine who asked me specifically, Hey, you know, what do you recommend? I'll probably give him that advice about the, uh, the $5 55 to one bet. But, um, other people, I think I'm just gonna let it go. If they want in, they, they know I understand it. So if they're really interested, you know, I'll I'll wait and let them call me. Yeah. And Captain
2: Jack has said that you can, um, actually, I've met someone who Captain Jack instructed on how to make thousands of dollars risk-free using these promos. And he was like, yeah, I was able to bet this and the bet the other side of this other book. And like literally made like $5,000 risk-free in New Jersey. So, um, it's It's, out there it's out there but you're right you have to be disciplined in it you have to and you have to sign up for all of them and it's it's (laughs) it does take effort it's not like free money you actually have to (laughs) you have to jump through some hoops you have to fill out a lot of paperwork digitally of course these days send in your driver's license copy of your driver's license and all that other stuff so
1: yeah, I, I had an online casino like playthrough bonus that I that I worked toward uh, not that long ago. And I did come out ahead. But by the time it was over, I questioned whether it was worth the time I had invested and in the effort just to just to play some slots and, re- and release my bonus, which was an almost can't lose kind of situation. But it's still uh, like, like you said, you got to be disciplined and even have that uh, that discipline that once you've made that initial uh, haul of haul of money, pull some out don't don't just give it all right back uh or in the case of sports betting kind of gradually give it all right back exactly um so i'm curious for for your take on one of the teams in the game uh this sunday uh, the tampa bay buccaneers i must admit i did not see this bucks run coming I just didn't think Brady at age 43 was that big an upgrade from Jameis Winston. Uh, I realize not a take that has aged well. Uh, so uh, I didn't invest in any Tampa Bay futures before the season. Uh, did you see this coming, Rufus? Did, did you have any futures bets on the Bucs? And and if not, which teams did you put your money on before the season began?
2: Eric, like you, I didn't. I, I also didn't think Brady was a big upgrade over Winston. I thought Winston had some, some very be- – bad. I mean, obviously he's careless of the ball but he also had some extremely poor turnover luck as well and and if you looked at for example if you looked at their qbrs the year before they were literally right next to each other i think they they're within a tenth of a point um winston brady so obviously brady's done brady isn't just what he does on the field i guess it's he's that studying veteran presence another coach whatever you want to say like he's provide instills confidence in the team somehow um but you're right he he has played he's played better than i expected and i do not have any futures on the bucks and <laughs> and i you know my, my good friend um mark derosa Ed teach on twitter right um i don't i don't agree this political views or conspiracy theories by the way just wanted to put that out there but um former colleague of mine um he you know he Bet hard on the Bucks before the season began, uh, before Brady even went to Tampa, thinking that that was a possibility, and and he's he's cleaned up on that. So so definitely a little FOMO there. But I should, you know <laughs> the, the the one bet the one future I li- I piggybacked on was the that he bet was to Rod Taylor to win the MVP, which mm. did <laughs> not do as well. So uh, I uh, I think the the futures bet that i have probably been most frequently criticized for is. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't the futures bet. It was the fact that I just kept betting them during the season as the Jets. I thought the Jets actually had some value to win the AFC East coming into the season. Uh, Clearly, that didn't work out either. I had some Saints futures. I had some, I accrued some futures throughout the season. I had some at the B- before the season as well, but, but nothing like the Bucks, unfortunately. Right.
1: Well, you were in the right vicinity on uh, believing in a Chargers quarterback. You just had had the wrong one and the wrong award. You know, if you'd gone Herbert rookie of the year, you might be uh, cashing in there. Exactly.
0: Uh, Rufus, it's a big betting weekend for us, obviously with the uh, waste management open, uh, the PGA tour event at the Phoenix area and uh, I'm just curious as an amateur golf better as as our subscribers know how just how amateur I have been in golf of late uh f- versus a pro like yourself um, I'm trying to, I've been bouncing around a little bit which is part of my problem but I've been kind of looking for the best possible player top 20 at roughly even money and I'm wondering if that generally makes sense and then I get caught up in the if I also go top 10 top five winner I'm kind of bleeding to death if uh, if he only finishes top 20 so if I if I go to that top 20 should I just stick with that or just throw in a couple of bucks for for the win or, or do you like five and tens with 20 you know how do you feel about that strategy
2: so I mean personally i I, I like betting all of those categories but um, <laughs> I, it, it, I think it's part of its personal preference and also just looking at the market over around I mean it's the out for example outrights have there's a good amount of big there obviously but the the top tens and top twenties like i'm I'm looking right now like draftkings I think it the top ten implies uh or it's paying out essentially what reflects twelve point six seven spots um so the top twenty reflects twenty five point three so it it looks like it's essentially the same theoretical hold there so in that case I would say um the question is, do you want consistent returns or do you want the chance of uh, sort of the bigger paydays? I mean, I had a whole year where I lost, I think back in like 2012 or 2013, where I lost on outrights. So it's, you know, and obviously top tens are not outrights, but you know, they, it's it's probably going to be harder to know, it's gonna take longer to know whether you actually have a true edge, the, the longer, the, the bigger, the long shots you're betting. And so I think you'll have a much better idea If your process is good, if you're betting the
0: top twenties every week, then if you're betting top tens or top fives, I would I would think. All right, I want to add one more thing. I can't believe it, but the Masters is only two months away. Seems like we just had the Masters, and we kind of (laughs) did. And uh, so another thing that's a for a casual, uh, golf fan who might want to bet on that. Um, you know, you're never going to bet on three horses to win in the same race. It's ridiculous out of a, you know, eight or 10, 12 uh, horse field, but you know, a hundred, well, actually the masters only has 80 or 90, but you know, us open would have 156 and even 80 or 90 is a big field. Um, so is it not crazy to bet on three or four players to win, you know, maybe a 10 to one, a, 20 to one and a 30 to one, or you just like to stick with, look, I'm only going to go one guy to win. And then I'm going to go other guys, top five, top 10, top 20. So I, I can hit all my bets. Or are you are willing to sort of mix and match where, you know, obviously three guys to win aren't all going to win. And yet you can still win pretty big with any of them coming through. Yeah. I, I, I bet multiple guys to win every week. It's, I'm trying to see how many I bet this
2: week. Um, for, for Phoenix, actually, I'm looking through, but uh, looks like I think probably a good seven or eight um, on outright. And I feel like that's probably a little low for me as well. Mm. So obviously I'm not parlaying them together, but, <laughs> but most of, most of the ones I'm betting are tend to be long shots. I, I don't bet a ton of, of guys in the 10, 20, the, the 20 to 31, 30 to one range. Um, I'm not really betting those as often. I, I bet. I'll say I bet Rom a bunch, Rom and McElroy have, I've bet a bunch in the last year. I've I've thought that despite the fact that they are two of the top five golfers in the world, I still thought, and I've thought, I've actually thought they were the one and two golfers in the world for a little while there. Uh, I still think they have been um, underpriced, but overall, I mean, that's sort of unusual for me to find value right at the top of the leaderboard. It's the guys that people don't think have a chance generally, especially guys that maybe haven't won before, where you can sort of find some value there. So, I mean, this week, for example, I like um, I, I like Ryan Moore at 101. Um, actually, I don't know when the last time he won was. It was a decade ago, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that storied amateur career. Um, I like Eric Van Rooyen at 175 to one. Um, you know, I like Luke List at 125 to one. So, I mean, a, a lot of guys over hundred, hundred to one. And, and so, you know, if I, if I was only betting one, I feel like I, you know, I would be,
1: I would hit a winner, you know, maybe once a year or less. Interesting. Well, we have our we have our bankroll segment coming up. We'll see if John uh, follows any of your advice. If for the first time this week he's sprinkling in like half a dozen different hundred to <laughs> one guys uh, with a, with our bankroll, we'll see uh, see how that goes. Uh, if if he does that, I don't know. If I if I know if I know John Brennan though, I don't I don't know that he's going to dive right in that way. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, it's been great talking to you, Rufus. Uh, I, uh, I I hope you uh, enjoyed talking to us uh, with me uh, only interrupting you once, Jeff ma style i think that's an upgrade uh, for you over what you've gotten used to on your podcast Uh, i'm not used to this in fairness to jeff i interrupt him just as much as he interrupts me right it it seems like that's kind of the running joke is you both interrupt each other and then both accuse each other of interrupting each other the the problem is i'm
2: not good i'm not used to having a chance to complete my thoughts so so i get done and i'm
1: like wait what do i say now Well, uh, I think you uh, did a fine job completing your thoughts and it was it was great talking to you and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast and uh, good luck uh, with your Super Bowl bets as well as your golf bets and uh, with your trip to Vegas.
2: and New Jersey. And New Jersey. Thanks so much for having me and, and good luck um, for the Super Bowl for you guys with your 55 to one shot. I hope you picked the right side and John, <laughs> good luck with good, good luck with the golf bets.
0: All right that's good. Thanks Rivers. Two men. Two men. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll.
1: We will get to our official Super Bowl against the spread picks shortly. But first, let's update our shared bankroll. The bad news. My boxing bet on Caleb Plant to score a stoppage win over Caleb Truax lost. It was a completely one-sided fight in Plant's favor, but Truax lasted the distance, so that cost us $125. The bad but not quite as bad news, John's Drone Racing League bet lost. Uh, Nub did not come through at a plus 300 price, uh, but John wisely kept that bet small. It only cost us 50 bucks. Now the good news. John was rewarded for backing Tony Finau. He finished in a five-way tie for second through sixth place, which means the top 20 bet at minus 110 was a winner, generating a profit of $100. The top five bet got chopped but was still a winner. The $10 bet at plus 400 turned a profit of $30. And the win outright bet was a loser, costing us $10. So all in all, we lost $55 on the week. Uh, But on the bright side... We should find out Saturday night that Aaron Rodgers was the NFL MVP, which will oh, win yeah. us $220 if it comes to pass. And I, I know you just let out an oh, yeah, with extreme confidence, but I'm nervous <laughs> until they make the announcement. Uh. Uh, and, uh, and there's still a chance that Aaron Donald gets defensive player of the year, although he is considered the Uh, second most likely to do so a bit of an underdog there Uh, but that would win us another $200 if it happens so our bankroll should look a little healthier next week hopefully maybe Uh, but for now uh, we're down $1,436 we have eight hundred thirty-seven dollars on hold in futures bets. That leaves us with seven thousand seven hundred twenty-seven dollars available to bet with this week. And you're up first, John.
0: Well, I got to explain the ex- my experience of betting Nub, the drone racing league okay. pilot. <laughs> uh, picture harness racing doesn't last two minutes; it only lasts one minute. And every there's a new race every two or three minutes. And you have that horse called Nub, and he keeps breaking stride one time after another. Um, it's it's pretty disappointing when and they're off and oh broke stride is out of the way. that that's pretty much what he did crashing with his virtual uh drone racing yeah that's enough about that anyway um oh i forgot i only had female 10 units at plus 400 on a mythical bankroll i can't believe i sweated the entire final hour of that tournament <laughs> it's crazy but uh you know i've talked about female before you know tony can wrap up our top five totally with a par five on the 18th right T-shot 300 yards right down Broadway. You know, he was safe from jeopardy at that point of actually, you know, winning. So I was confident he could do that. Um, Mid-iron, 245 yards to the hole in a second shot. It's right on line and... Splish splash that ball is taking a bath into the pond, <laughs> but still it's a net winner. So I'll forgive Tony and I'll go back to the tour with the waste management open in Scottsdale. Yeah. How about that? Uh, it's going to be nice weather, I think. So uh, that'll be nice to watch on Saturday in particular. Uh, John Rahm is a Rufus Peabody favorite and he's mm-hmm. my choice at one ten to win a hundred for a top 10, you know, going beyond my typical top 20 pick, but I-, I like having an alpha male. who was only a hot putter away last week from, from winning that one. So uh, give me also, 20 on Rahm at plus 625 to win the damn thing. And in an ode to Rufus and his mention of uh, sort of long shots, 10 units on Will Zalatoris to win at plus 4,500. You know, if a year ago or so, you were probably thinking, who the hell is Brennan talking about? Hovland, Morikawa, Wolf? Who are these guys? Well, Will is the next man up.
1: Okay. Uh, as soon as we're done uh, podcasting here, I will look up how the heck to spell Xalatoris because I have never heard that name before. But
0: <laughs> ask, ask your doctor if uh, about Zalatoris is right for you.
1: The there you go. Nice. <laughs> All right. Um, I am doing two Super Bowl prop bets this week, uh, and I'll start with one that I loved until I heard our friend Rufus on his podcast that posted Wednesday night, taking the opposite side of this bet. So it's me versus Rufus Peabody on this. (laughs) Probably not what you want to hear, John, as the co-owner of the bankroll. Uh, But the bet is, over 4.5 sacks in the game. It's priced at plus 120. So the bet is $100 to win $120. I heard some other people on other podcasts saying that their modeling shows about six sacks in the game, which would make this great value. But who knows? Maybe Rufus's model is better. Anyway, here's what we know. Tampa has a tremendous pass rush, just a great group of defensive linemen and linebackers. And Mahomes is playing behind an injured, somewhat makeshift offensive line. And he's still dealing with turf toe, so he's not quite as mobile as usual. Um, On the other side, Brady was never very mobile, although he is generally good at getting rid of the ball and avoiding sacks. Anyway, we need to get to five combined sacks. Should be close either way, but we're getting plus money. Uh, You know, I'm 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 hedging emotionally and mentally a little, as you can probably tell. I felt a lot better about this bet before I heard Rufus going under. (laughs) But let's be stubborn: 100 to win 120 on over four and a half sacks.
0: All right, well, I'm going to counter with under, but not on that bet, fortunately. Um, Okay, under 56 points. I found at 110 to win 100 on Wednesday night. Now this thing is moving all over the place, so Mm -hmm. it's not going to be exactly that. right now or friday or saturday or sunday morning but it's in that ballpark anyway um you know andy reed will make adjustments due to having that banged up offensive line I, I have no doubt of that but i think that makes makes them go in a little bit more of a conservative direction I, i'm kind of counting on multiple yawns in the second and third quarters in particular uh and then of course the big sweat in the fourth quarter all right.
1: Well, I hope there aren't too many yawns because it might not be great for the bet that I'm about to make. But uh, we'll uh, see. Uh, this, is, this is my favorite stupid cross-sport prop bet that I found. Uh, actually, Matt Rybaltowski found it. Uh, he put it in his What's on Tap article on Monday. And then I wrote it up in his Sports Handle Staff Picks Roundup that you referenced at the top of the show that probably won't have posted yet by the time people listen to this. Um, so I'm double dipping uh, and using it again here. The bet is aces by Novak Djokovic in his first round match at the Australian Open greater than the number of punts in the Super Bowl priced at standard minus 110 on BetMGM. If ever there's a Super Bowl that won't feature too many punts, it's this one. We know Andy Reid would rather go for it than punt anytime it's a close decision. Uh, The Chiefs punter, Tommy Townsend, punted one time total in two playoff games so far. Uh, The Tampa punter, Bradley Pinion, is averaging three punts per game during the postseason. Still not a lot. Even if you use their regular season averages, this game would have 6.69 punts. Uh, But it's the Super Bowl that figures to be lower. I'd say the reasonable range to expect is somewhere between four and seven punts on Sunday. Uh, So then I looked up Djokovic. In hardcourt matches in 2020, he averaged 6.7 aces per match. However, that average was across three setters and five setters. Uh, Barring injury, he's playing a minimum of three sets in his first match at the Aussie Open. So 6.7 aces, that should be kind of on the low end of expectation for him. I think his realistic range is somewhere between six and nine aces. So, you know, we could lose, of course. We could push. But my expectation is that the line for aces should be about two or so above the line for punts. Uh, And this is extra fun, because no matter what happens in the Super Bowl, even if there are like eight or nine punts, we get our sweat extended since Djokovic will play Monday or Tuesday. So anyway, after all that, this
0: is this is is the lock of the century. I mean, unless Djokovic shows up. Uh, for his first match, and he notices a bunch of big dump trucks uh, backing in inside to the uh, tennis court and unloading clay all over the place. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even get this. I mean, you know, dude is at the French open at least it might be you know a sporting <laughs> bat. How does this lose? I don't I don't see it.
1: Oh no, famous last words, how does and, this uh... lose? Yeah, <laughs> or, or well, as cousin sal would say you can't lose them all so uh anyway uh, yeah 110 dollars to win 100 on Djokovic's aces i'm glad you have such confidence in this i really like this one too all right and we wrap up the show with our super bowl picks The spread is holding steady at almost every sports book at Chiefs minus three. My pick doesn't matter much. I am a dreadful three and nine in this postseason. There isn't much difference between finishing four and nine and three and ten. John's pick does matter as he's six and six. So this determines once and for all whether he is or isn't a good sports better. It all comes down to this single pick. Uh, So I'll go first just to get the unimportant pick out of the way, Uh, or maybe it's important in that it can help you decide which side not to pick John. Uh, But my gut is telling me with the chiefs offensive line woes, with the fact that it is a home game for the bucks uh, with the fact that the public is more on the KC side, I'm leaning toward a close game and a Tampa cover Give me the Bucks plus three. Now the important pick.
0: Well, yeah, this also is for whether I finish above 500 in the 2020-21 regular season and postseason combined. Right. Ish. So um, I've had little success forecasting the Chiefs the last two seasons, frankly. And like you and Rufus, I didn't get rich on preseason Bucks future plays either. <laughs> um, I've lost all four championship games the last two years. I lost the Super Bowl last year. Um, so... Who cares what I think, but I'll take the bucks plus three, mainly because there seem to be more moving parts that might slip out of gear for the chiefs. Uh, I will add that the winning point margins, I looked it up in Brady super Bowls have been in order three, 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 four, four, six and overtime. So sort of zero uh, right. eight and 10 and they were closer than uh, uh, that final score indicates. So I don't know, paying, paying to get a little extra to get three and a half or four points might be interesting.
1: Yeah, that's that's certainly something to consider. But uh, officially for this, we're both on Bucks plus three, which uh, listeners, do with that what you will. If you want to load up on KC minus three, this would be the time to do it.
0: Yes, that's probably wise, unfortunately. (laughs) It pains me to say it, but it's quite
1: true. (laughs) All right, well, that will do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to our guest, Rufus Peabody. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow U.S. Bets at U.S. underscore Bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And with that, John, please take us out.
0: Well, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away with strict statutes of limitations, I was a member of a seven-man NFL betting cartel. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we each staked $100 before the season. That's – 216 and in 2021 and made three picks per week for 25 bucks a piece out of our $700 bankroll. And things went okay at first as we selected the most popular picks among the group. And then it went a bit south and we identified one of us as a cooler and he was just killing us. So in spite of his protestations, uh, we'll call him, oh, Mike, uh, his picks were reversed as we mulled our choices (laughs) and that helped for a bit. And then we all seemed to catch the cooler bug. And so by December, we're down to our last bet or it's over. And we won, and then we won again and again. We threw in a couple of college bowl games. It didn't matter. Win, win, win. Mm-hmm. So now it's Super Bowl time, and the point of this story our breadcrumbs have turned miraculously into a collective $300 profit. So the cartel meeting begins with uh, both with cans of Budweiser and talks of $100 wagers seemed appropriate. And next was 150. fifty. Let's let half the profits ride on this one game. Then we're getting bolder and later and happier. How about the $300 profit? We gamble all the profits earned over all those months <laughs> on a single game. Now, this one cartel member, he's been silent so far. You know, the room turns to him. and He was a wise man in the ways of finance. Uh, I'm not going to confirm or deny that he's the one of us who, as he had planned at age 20, retired as a multimillionaire 20 years later and moved down south. So anyway, uh, this is a person eyes the room, purses his lips and says, I have an idea. Let's bet $1,000. <laughs> That's it. The entire 700 we put in, the entire profit, all of it, all of it on the game, and for us it seemed like a million. Uh, now, perhaps it was us talking, perhaps it was that Budweiser, but we all immediately agreed we're going for it. So now we have the favorite giving seven points, and they do not allow a single touchdown the opposing offense in the entire game, and we've got the Hall of Fame quarterback as well. I'm in Aruba for a game with my girlfriend at the time, watching at a tiki bar and sipping too many rum runners. Well the year is 1989 it's 49ers versus Bengals act 2 and it's Super Bowl 23 And now we get back to the opening discussion on the podcast. The game was dull, typical of the era, and the 49ers tied the score at 6-6, with not even a minute left in the third quarter. No problem so far, we can still at least get a push. Then Bengals' Stanford Jennings returns the ensuing kickoff's 93 yards for a touchdown and a 13-6 Bengals lead, and we feel like we're drawing dead. Well, Joe Montana immediately goes 85 yards in four plays to tie it up, because of course he did. And we're alive again, I think. And the 49ers miss a field goal. The Bengals go on a 12-play drive. They make a field goal to take the lead. And then Montana goes 92 yards in 12 plays for the memorable game-winning touchdown because, of course, he did. And the 49ers win 2016, but they don't cover. So the cartel had started with high hopes and was knocked to its very knees, ascended to a gambling mountaintop, and we all fell off the cliff together. But that was the end of the cartel, as it turned out. And I blame that damn kickoff return you mentioned in the opening. So you, dear listener, hopefully will achieve a far better fate on Super Sunday. So best wishes, and until next time, gamble on.